Well, since we're recording, um, I actually have a gift for us already. Ooh. And, uh, oh, God, goodness gracious. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, should we, like, intro first? <laughs> No, no, that's actually perfect for before the intro. Um, but I actually found a really awesome deal with John. And I got us a very, very awesome microphone. What? It's a very good microphone. That's so, awesome. And we got it in like this dark teal. Ooh. And it came <laughs> with a shock mount. Oh, cool! A windscreen, or no, a pop filter. A windscreen? Well, this is a windscreen, that's a pop filter. I was thinking uh, like windscreen, like sunscreen. <laughs> like, no, it protects you from the wind. <laughs> Did you know there's like a, there's a fan in here? I was like, what the, where are we going? And then this one actually is supposed to be a a stand that's a boom scissor. I have never used this before, but the reason I've been so excited is I wanted this to be the very first one where we had both mics hooked up. That's awesome! So I was very happy. That's why I was like, I was like hoping it was gonna get here. It was supposed to get here and then got delayed. I'm like, damn it! <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I got this on Black Friday and it made me very happy. So, that's so cool. Let's go ahead and do this right now. Do, 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 do. Content may not be appropriate for all audiences. Listener's discretion is advised. WTF are you talking about? The podcast where we don't know what we're talking about until you do. I'm Katie. I'm Decker. And we're here to ask each other, what the fuck are you talking about? Mm. So here's how this is going to work. We've got six categories of topics, and the next yep. episode's contents will be determined by the roll of a die. So the categories are true crime, paranormal, history education, science, entertainment, and current events. We've got an eight-sided die. So if you roll a one, then you will roll a six-sided die for those same six categories, but that means that the topic has to be local. So Idaho or any state bordering Idaho. And if you roll an eight, then you get to, up to pick your categories. So that's a wild. And I think last time you roll, you actually got our first local roll. I sure did. And you rolled paranormal, right? I did. All right, so... <laughs> Decker, what the fuck are you talking about? It was really fucking rough. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. It was it, it, because Idaho doesn't really have a lot going for it in a way. Now there are some of the classics like um, the the state pen, which I purposefully avoided. Only because of Zach Bates. He already did it. And but they did such a great episode. Yeah, watch out for the snakes. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> if you haven't seen that episode, it's hilarious. Fucking rattlesnake. It's a garden snake. Like, calm the fuck down. Actually, was there even a snake in that grass half the time? Probably. There's lots of snakes up on Table Rock. Sure. I just don't believe that they were there when he was there. But they're just like... 
casual snakes. <laughs> casual like, snakes? Yes. But a hardcore. They're, they're not like snakes all day. I'm gonna kill you, snakes. They're like, oh, I'm a snake. I'm just gonna go do snake things in this, the grass. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, Thank you, Cass. We're not recording this at our normal time. <laughs> we're recording this late at night because I was waiting for uh, this new microphone that we're testing out, and I will find a way to have two microphones at the same time. But unfortunately, <laughs> I have one that's an XLR and one that's a USB, and they're not being nice with each other. Um, but the cats make those sounds all the time, so... It's true. <laughs> so now you can hear them in different definitions. Perfect. Good. So um, with mine, I, I wanted to look for something that was a little bit more unique. And... Well, I did find something unique. There was not a lot on it, but I still thought it was fun nonetheless. So what I'm going to talk about today... I'm not sure if you heard of this, but I'm going to talk about... Uh, when I get it up here. What in the world is oh my God. Firefox doing? Ooh, there we go. I don't know why I grunted. Like, I was doing physical effort <laughs> to open this Clicking up. Clicking those buttons is really hard. I am going to be talking about the real Bates Motel. Yes, I have been there. You've been there? It's in Coeur d'Alene. Yes, yes it is. I mean, I haven't, like, stayed there, but I've driven by it many, many times. I, my my uh, mother is from Coeur d'Alene. Okay. And so we would... My grandmother died... When I was like, before I turned five. So we went up there a lot when I was younger, and then we would go up there a lot to when we were in college, because Moscow is like two hours away from Coeur d'Alene. Okay. So, yeah, no, I totally have seen this hotel, and we laugh at it every time we go by it. So why do you laugh at it? Because it's the fucking Bates Hotel. <laughs> right, so so here, uh, here are just a couple of things about this uh, uh, hotel or motel. Um, is, first off, this motel existed before the movie. Mm-hmm. Right, before Psycho. But they've, like, um, totally played into it, too. Right. Which is great. Right, and they played into it a lot. So, um, the Bates Motel is it's in Coeur d'Alene, and it was, um, started back up in, I think it's in the 1950s. That's what I had. Uh, do-do-do-do. Yeah, in the 1950s, and the movie came out in the 1960s. And it's rumored that Alfred Hitchcock spent some time in that motel and it was based on, and that, that's what helped inspire him for his movie. Now, whether that's true or not, I didn't find any validity in that statement. I feel like I remember my mom saying that the motel had been there as long as she could remember and she was born in 54. Right, and that motel, um, one thing about this motel is it existed prior to the Bates Motel. Mm -hmm. Right, so this motel was eventually acquired by Randy Bates. He bought the motel and he renamed it the Bates Motel and um... Or I guess, sorry, not Alfred Hitchcock. It was Robert Block, the author of Psycho. Mm -hmm. um, I hope I said his last name right. I did not double check it. But that's his name nonetheless. That's how we roll here. We do not double check things. We do. <laughs> Whoops. And we um, speculate wildly. Yes. Very, very uh, avid thinkers. Um, but what I, what I found was interesting is I actually didn't realize there was an actual Bates Motel. Like, I would have expected that this would have happened after Psycho, or especially with, like, the new series from, um, on Netflix, which I think is called, oh gosh, what is it called? Is it just called, uh, Bates Motel? I think that's what it's called. Yes, yes it is. It's in my queue. I haven't watched it. 
Yeah, it's supposed to be really good. Um, but with that being said, this motel actually does have some hauntings associated with it, which I did not know. Because um, at first I thought this may have just been like a little, uh, like a gimmick kind of thing. Now, first off, this place has 13 rooms and they have they have cable and they have Wi-Fi and they have all this stuff. Um, but supposedly rooms one and three are haunted and people that go there will experience several things. So, do, 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 do. those are the features. I don't care about those. Huh. Yeah, and there's not a lot of info on this. Most of them are like Yelp reviews. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, some of the things are um, in rooms one and three, they'll have um, sensations of people touching them or pushing them, lights flickering on and off. They'll have feelings of items changing positions or being moved from one room to another. Uh, some people will have... Uh, Bad dreams and do do do. Where was the other one? What really helps is I'm glad. Wow, one hundred four point three really looked into this. So that's a that's a country station that we God. have over here in Boise. Um, but uh, they'll have unsettled feelings of being like watched from like a distance. Um, strange no noises, frigid temperature drops, right? So it'll just go from being normal to just dropping. You'll have lights being turned off, which, um, what? I want to talk about that. I feel like if you're a ghost, I'm sorry, I'm getting a little tongue tied here. Um, you just have really strong feelings about it. Like, I, I can't do, talk either. I do fuck. have very, fuck. Okay. So, very strong what feelings. What the fuck are you talking about? Where we learn how to talk. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I always found it to be quite disappointing when you hear of a haunting and they just mess with the lights. Like, how lazy of a ghost you have to be where, like, gotcha! <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, well, I mean, it depends. Like, I, I don't know how much energy it takes to, you know, control various things. Sure. Maybe. But I mean, like, like a temperature drop, that kind of feels a little more spooky, but the lights just kind of, I mean. Have you ever been in a room and the lights suddenly go out? Tell me that's not fucking spooky. Sure, but these are, <laughs> these are lights being turned on and off. So I imagine like, like, the, you know, like someone just like toggling it up and down, like, hee 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 I mean, yeah, but if you're in a room by yourself, that would yeah, I mean, freak sure, me the be, fuck out. Yeah, it just... <laughs> What I'm saying is, ghosts, you really need to up your game. Oh my God. That's, that's basic. That's basic spook shit. You're gonna get murdered by a ghost. <laughs> good. That will make for a good story. And then, but you won't be able to tell it because you'll be dead. Uh, you can get a Ouija board in here or a spirit box. <laughs> That'd be a fun session. <laughs> Here's our next podcast where I'm a spirit. Um, <laughs> We're gonna record this Ouija board because that couldn't possibly go wrong. Oh no. But it would make for a good experience. Would it? Uh, maybe for them. Maybe for everyone listening. For the people that are listening to this. For the people. people that are listening to this. For the wow, good of the people. I really can't speak. They're not listening to this. They are listening to this. <laughs> it's like, it's like, let me learn you something. Learn you real good. But, um, yeah, other than that, there's just, there was, there's nothing crazy. I didn't find any murders or anything. It's really more just... I, I'm curious to know if it's more of like a spook factor in terms of, you know, because it's the Bates Motel that people, 
think that it's being haunted because they it, because they mentally think of that. Mm-hmm. It kind of projects said fear into that environment. But, um, yeah, I also think it's weird that it's rooms one and three, and my head immediately goes to, is that the mafia of the Trinity? <laughs> three, three deities, one person. Oh, my God. <laughs> but did you get any scratches? Did you find a quarter from 1999? <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah. I just, I can't take him seriously. Yeah, so, um, that is the Bates Motel. So, yeah, nothing too extravagant, but that I was... Can, I can, like, clearly picture it in my head, like, driving down Sherman, and there's the Bates Motel, and that was always, like, a point of interest when we would drive through town. Mm. Um, also, a fun little fact, Ooh. if I'm remembering this correctly, because it's been, it's been a couple of years since I've been up there, um, there is the Bates Motel, and then I think there's... There's some shops or something, and then there's a nursing home, and oh, directly yes. behind this nursing home is a cemetery. Oh! <laughs> From all of the windows on the back side of this nursing home, you have a lovely view of a cemetery. You know what? <laughs> so I like to imagine. I wish I wish that they would have mentioned that in this article that it's near by a cemetery. I like to imagine that. You know, when someone is ready to uh, move out of the nursing home and move into the cemetery, they just like <laughs> ready to move out. trebuchet them out the window. <laughs> they just catapult. That's, them. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's what I imagined happening when I, I I can remember having that thought as like a twelve year old being mm. like, "Oh, do you think they just throw them out the window?" <laughs> yes, normal twelve year old thoughts. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like right into. The right, right, right into right the, the grave, yeah. It's a perfect shot. Like, have to calculate the, the wind velocity and the barometric pressure and the, the arc. That, that's so funny that you brought up that motel. Yeah, I was looking for some fun stuff. I had like, I found a couple things, and most of them I'd actually like to do like a little trip to go visit them, which I think would be really fun, mm-hmm. especially like come back with pictures, maybe, and like you know, like add them somewhere for yeah. review. Uh, but yeah. Cool. So, Katie, now I'm done with my bit, what the fuck are you talking about? I am going to be talking about Colin Pitchfork. Never heard of it. Well, you will now. It's also important. Um, Is it? His... Historically? For some reason my brain thinks... Colin Pitchfork as Colin Pitchfork, and then my brain tried to turn into Farmer Brown, to which I regretted immediately in my head. <laughs> yeah, so this guy was not a farmer, he was a baker. But we'll get there. So, November 21st, 1983. 15 year old Linda Mann is walking home These from. Names. These names are great. Sorry, I didn't. This is serious. <laughs> She's walking home from babysitting. Um, so she takes a shortcut, which, I mean, that's normal. Right. I did that a lot as a child. Mm-hmm. So she mm-hmm. takes a shortcut, but she never made it home. So that night, her parents were like... It's a really long shortcut. Yeah. Her parents were like, uh, so what? what? So they're looking for her. The neighbors are helping. They spent the night searching for her. They didn't find anything. But the next morning, 
They found her strangled and raped on a deserted footpath. Thank you for that ambient sound, <laughs> Wow. Um, that's horrible. Sorry. Uh, Hopefully he won't keep distracting me from this serious... Yeah, thing. so, strangled and raped on a deserted pet footpath that the locals knew as the Black Pad. That's what the footpath was called. Um, at this time, so this was the 80s, mm-hmm. forensics was still kind of new. They were, you know, working on stuff. Mm-hmm. They took a semen sample. They didn't really have a whole lot they could do with it. Um, but they were able from that to determine the blood type. It was type A, and they were able to tell that it had a unique enzyme profile that matches only, like, 10% of males. Mm. But there was no other evidence or leads in the case, so the case was just left open, but it had kind of gone cold, because there there was just no other evidence that that they found. Right. Fast forward three years, July 31st, 1986. That is my birthday, but not in 1986. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but July 31st is. July 31st, 1986, 15-year-old Don Ashworth left home to go to a friend's house. Two days later, her body is found in a wooded area near a footpath named Ten Pound Lane. She had been beaten, violently raped, and strangled to death. So they took semen samples again. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> has that look on his face where he's like, this is my life. <laughs> CJ just did that. <laughs> the pillow was He didn't want it to happen. <laughs> he, was, he was trying real hard not to do that. Oh, that was, wow. <clears throat> we were not laughing about rape and murder. <laughs> we, we, we should clarify We that. were laughing at my stupid cat. <laughs> <sighs> right. Sorry. So where were we at? You saw, talked about um, <laughs> she was beaten, uh, string, uh, raped to death. <laughs> she was beaten. <laughs> Man, sorry. So beaten, she was beaten, raped, violently and raped, strangled, strangled to death. death. They and took this was semen on samples. Ten pound lane. This yeah, this was uh, ten pound lane. Okay. So this was another footpath. Um, so they took the semen sample and they were able to determine that the blood type was the same as. The previous one. Yeah, um, Linda Mann, which we know now doesn't necessarily mean a whole lot because there's like a bajillion people that have the same blood type. I mean, 10% of 7 billion is like... Well, and that was just the particular enzyme. Mm-hmm. So I think they, they were... They were able to determine that that was also a match. But I mean, that's still like, that's a lot of people. Was there any connection between both of the, the women? Like, anywhere in life where, like, they Mm -hmm. met up? Uh, no. Not that I'm aware of. Um, but the M.O. did match. Okay. Uh, so the prime suspect was a local 17-year-old boy named Richard Buckland. He had, it was, or it was known that he had learning disabilities. And he admitted to having knowledge of Don Ashworth's body. So, like, he said something... <clears throat> along the lines of, like, oh, I know where it is, or just something like that. So they brought him in for questioning. 
And after, or during questioning, he confessed to the crime. Well, this kid... Sorry, go on. <laughs> um, he confessed to the crime of, or the, the murder of... What kind of learning disability did he have? I, I couldn't find anywhere that said. All the articles just said the learning... learning well, they said learning difficulties. Okay. So, yeah, it was very vague. Um, but so he confessed to murdering Don Ashworth, but not Linda Mann. Um, and that, like, this is problematic because there's been so many different things where you can see that people confess to things that they did not do just because of the way Whether that they're being questioned or blah, blah, blah. Yeah, like, or their, their mental, like, the fame apparently just sounds so great. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, yeah. So, at this time, Alec Jeffries was a genetic researcher at the University of Lachish... It's okay. We told him we're trying to learn how to talk. Light, light. Hope you understand me. Will they? <laughs> Leicester. <laughs> he was okay. a genetic researcher at the University of Leicester in 1985. He developed DNA profiling along with Peter Gill and Dave Werrett of the Forensic Science Service. So, so is that what we have today was based off of their discoveries? Yes. Cool. That's so super awesome. So this is awesome. like a big fucking deal. So Jeffries compared the samples taken from both of the girls' bodies and was able to prove that they did match. Like, this was the same person for sure. So it, if he edits one, he has to admit the other. We'll get there. So he said, yes, both of these girls were killed by the same guy. These are a positive match. So then he took the samples and compared them to Richard Buckland, and they did not match. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. So Richard Buckland was the first person to be proven innocent with the use of DNA fingerprinting. Fingerprinting? DNA fingerprinting. Oh, <laughs> it was, for those of you that can't, you know, see my he, fingers. That's he held up a finger and looked questioning at it. Fingerprinting? Questioningly at it. He like looked at his finger and then looked at me and then looked at his finger. DNA fingerprinting. Man, I'm not running at 100%. <laughs> Brain is dumb. So the Leicester... Leicester... Fucking fuck. The constabulary undertook an investigation asking more than 500... 500? 5,500 local men to volunteer blood or saliva samples. And this took somewhere from six to eight months to collect... And overall, 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 there were no matches found. A few men declined, saying that they didn't like needles or they didn't like police officers, but most changed their mind and provided samples. The fear that the killer might strike again created like this a, a great deal of social pressure. And so, if anyone was like, "No, I'm, I don't want to do this," like the community was like. Oh, you don't want to do this? Why? Why don't you want to do this? And they'd be like, okay, fine, I'll do it. So it was almost like coercion to... Yeah, but not like, by the police. It was like by the, by the, the community being like, no, we want to find this fucking killer. So after eight months, 5,511 men had given samples and only one had refused. And they were a social pariah for the rest of their lives. <laughs> Probably. Um, also, something else to know is that Don's body was found only a few hundred yards from where Linda's had been found. So, I mean, there was three years in between, but that's so real weird. So, they're hunting around 
seems to Yeah, be so they're like similar. in the area. Do um, the kid with mental disabilities live within that vicinity? Yes. They live in the, in the same area. Um, Don's clothing had been removed in just the same way that Linda's was, and both girls had been strangled with their own scarf. So, August 1st, 1987. They both had a scarf. Yes. People wear scarf decorates, I think. Do they? Yes. Okay. You saw Christian with a scarf earlier today. <laughs> yeah. I like scarves. Please don't strangle me with it. I won't. I'll hit you with my rolling pin. Unless that's what you want, then maybe. I just vocally said I did not. Good. Then we won't. <laughs> glad, we, glad we could discuss this. August 1st, 1987, Ian Kelly was out with some fellow bakery workers at a pub, um, and he said that, or he told them that he had taken his blood test, or he had given blood under the name of one of his co-workers, Colin Pitchfork. He said that he could not give blood under his own name, as he didn't want to be harassed by the police for a prior conviction in his youth, which... I saw differing reports. Some said it was burglary. Um, another one said indecent exposure. Uh, so a woman at the pub overheard this and went to the police. And I think this was, it was a couple days. It might have even been like a month and a half or something. Um, but so she went to the police. September 19th, 1987, Pitchfork was arrested and questioned after reading him his rights it was said that the detective asked why Don Ashworth, and he said, opportunity, she was there and I was there. He confessed and gave details of both murders and two other sexual assaults. He also admitted to exposing himself to more than 1,000 women since his early teens. 1,000. For fuck's sake. But why, though? Uh, it said that it was just like a compulsion that he had because hmm. he's a fucking... Fuck. <clears throat> he had been questioned about his movements after the death of Linda, but said that he was looking after his young son. So he was he was married, he had a family, he had kids. So he was looking after his young son, which was true. His son was asleep in the back of his car while he raped and murdered her. Yeah. So DNA confirmed that he was the killer of both of these girls. He pled guilty to two counts of rape, two counts of murder, two counts of indecent assault, which I believe was the other two. Like a thousand indecent exposure. I mean, I think that was the, the other two assaults that he admitted to. And one count of, a, of conspiring to pervert the course of justice. The court was provided with a psych report that warned, or I think it, it labeled him as... It said, what did it say? Uh, personality disorder of psychopathic type accompanied by serious psychosexual pathology. And it said that he will, con obvious he will obviously continue to be an extremely dangerous individual while the psychopathology continues. He was sentenced to life imprisonment. At the time, that meant a max of 30 years, which don't call it life imprisonment if it's only 30 years. Say. What? <laughs> Call it 30 you, years. You, you only get to live 30 years. We all know that. That's how it was back in the, I don't know, the 1,000. So one of the reasons this is so important is because he was the first 
to be convicted based on DNA evidence like this. And to have his guilt proven by like, no, we have this, this DNA that says you did it. So the first thing that ever happened was DNA proves someone innocent. innocent. Then immediately after when it proves mm-hmm. someone guilty. Interesting. So, sentenced to life imprisonment, which is apparently, or at the time, it was only 30 years. I don't believe that's how it is anymore. In 2009, on an appeal, it was reduced to 28 years. Oh, how kind. <sighs> he was eligible for parole in, I think, 2016. And it was denied. And then he was eligible again in 2018, and it was denied. And he will be eligible for parole again in 2020. At some point, he was moved to an undisclosed open prison. Um, And an open prison, I had to look that up because I was like, what is this? Um, So an open, like, the way that their prison system worked over there in a nutshell, is there's just different, like, classifications of prisoners based on, like, how closely they need to be watched. And so an open prison, uh, it says, those trusted not to escape are given the privilege of an open prison. This gives the opportunity to work in the community and have home leave when approved. So I think the best way that I can equate this to something in the U.S. is, like, work release, sort of. Do they actually get to leave the prison? Yes. Unescorted? Yes. So it's like, it's like a shelter. <laughs> in a way, I mean, like, it's like a live. It's like it's like a. So basically, they live at the prison. Sort of. I mean, like, there's things that they have to do to be able to leave, and like, there's like courses that they have to take, and the, the, there was a list of stuff. Like, it's not just like, well, if you're here, you can walk around whenever you want. I'd now. love to know more about how successful that program is. I'd be curious to see. Um, I would really be curious to see. But the the closest that I could I could equate this to was like work release because I when I did when I was a case manager I had a client that did work release and so he like during the day he would go to work and then he had to be back at the the center by X amount of time and if he was going to be at treatment like he he had to have that I had to send emails and notes and whatever to the people whoever was in charge of. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say attendance, but that's not it. Saying, like, no, he has to be here at this time. Allow him to leave. That kind of thing. Um, But so, he has been seen walking around Bristol. So they assumed that he was moved to Lay Hill. Or Lee Hill. So they released someone that they they had given a psyche valve to, stating that this person is going to continue to be a danger. And they're like... That seems that seems like a smart thing to do. Well, he's he's not technically released. He's in an open prison, so I don't know if he what? has a job. I don't know if he has family in the area or anything. All I know is that he has been sighted in the town of Bristol, walking around. Um, mm. My guess would be is that he probably has some sort of a job in the area, and that he's allowed to leave and go work his job and then go home to the prison. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't, I I feel like I didn't, I don't think I wrote it down anywhere, but I remember, or I feel like I remember reading somewhere that, like, he had done well in prison or whatever, or, I don't know. A lot of the times when they're like, oh, they were a model prisoner, it's like, okay, well, that's a bunch of bullshit, I don't care. (laughs) 
Haven't they had model prisoners for people that were silly killers? Did, did... Ed Kemper was a model prisoner. Like, yeah. <laughs> I just, mm, it, yeah. Anyway, so he's still alive. He's up for parole again in two years, or less than two years now, probably. Um, so yeah, that was a thing that he did. And what gets me is when they were like, why did you do this? And he was like, because I could, basically. He was like, oh, she was there, I was there. I figured, why why not? Like, <laughs> ooh. That was the first thing I could do. I was like, mm, you know what? You're here, I'm here, let's. It, no. <sighs> Anyways, and in a lighter news, in 1990, Alex Jeffries used his DNA technique to identify the remains of... Uh, German. Of German? No, of German. Um, Germans. Do they pronounce J? Or is it like a Y? For what? Like, so would it be Josef or Joseph? Probably, uh, it'd probably be, I think Josef might be more Jewish. I think, mm, In this context, that would be weird. Um, I think it You know what? It's not important. This fucker's first name. I think it might be Yosef. This fucker's first name is not important. This fucker. Um, so he was able to identify the remains of Mengele from the look on your face as you don't know who I'm talking about. No. Who's Mengele? She's, she's put her head down. Oh, I'm going to have to make a note that I'm going to have to talk about that asshole. Um, he was like basically the doctor death of the concentration camps. Oh, sorry. Okay. No, oh, okay. So you know what I'm talking about. Know, yeah. yeah. My brain was like, so is she saying Mandela wrong? <laughs> no. <laughs> I was like, what? Because um, you know, like, after that, a bunch of the, the higher up in the, the Nazis just like fucked off to South America because they didn't want to pay for their war crimes. Right. Um, so yeah, he totally did. And they confirmed with DNA or with samples given to him by relatives that, yep, these are his remains. And they were like, do you guys want to come get his remains? And they were like, nope, sure don't. So he's still there, I would assume, in Brazil. I don't know. Maybe they moved him back. Either way, his family was like, yeah, we don't want anything to do with that. Thanks. Fair. In 1991, scientists were able to prove that the skeletal remains found in a burial pit in Russia were those of Russia's last czar, Nicholas II, and his wife and children. So I'm sorry, Anastasia is not alive. <laughs> Grandma, it's not me. Oh, God. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they used, they built upon this technique that, you know, Alec Jeffries and some others created. As long as it's not Alex Jones. Alec, no, it's not. <laughs> um, this They built upon this technique to, you know, create like what we know now as the vast possibilities with DNA, especially, like, the Golden State Killer. Mm-hmm. Like, it's crazy how far we've come with that. Um, DNA has been used to exonerate several death row inmates in the U.S., and several, or like many, many older cold cases have been solved using DNA that has been able to be tested. Similar to like the Golden State Killer, where they were able to use this database 
that collects right. DNA. And, and, and didn't, isn't what happened with that one, because I think, did you actually talk about this one? I mean, I talked about it a lot in my life. Okay. <laughs> oh, no, no. You know what it was? We talked about it after, because um, you were talking about it, and then they, uh, that's why we drink released an episode about it shortly afterward. Because, oh, probably. Because you got a, I think you saw a tweet or something, or you got like a news post about what had happened with Golden State Killer. Oh, um, so you know that like meme of the kid walking around with a trumpet, a trombone? Uh-huh. Like that was me talking about the Golden State Killer. <laughs> Right. Um, Um, But but I remember, like, that one, didn't that have to do with someone related to them? Yeah. The DNA test kit. And And that's what happened, is that it was in this database, and they were running these old samples. Like, they were going through old evidence now that they can actually run them. Mm -hmm. And running them, and they got a match. Um, And fun fact, the relative that they matched it to is actually from Idaho. And that's how they were able to catch the Golden State Killer, which is Man, fucking bananas. We're we're really good at just like I'm not sure. What, not sure if we should be proud of that or. I mean, the people in Idaho did not kill anybody, so that's fine. Right, all of the people, all of us with the same DNA. Uh, specifically, those people did not kill anybody. <laughs> let me say. Yeah. Um, but like that to me is crazy. The fact mm-hmm. that someone else can get you caught isn't like if you were to commit a crime mm. right like someone else just be like oh I want to know more about my genealogy and it's like well oh, I think part of it too is that had they not been going through and being like we have the capability to test these now that probably wouldn't have happened because mm-hmm. I mean it could still be sitting in a box on a closet somewhere because they're like well we have no new leads but like there's and there's oh I can't remember it's like Oregon I think has some sort of a program where they're trying to get through their backlog of rape kits because like they would take these rape kits and then not do anything with them. Right. Cause. Well, I mean, I get it. Like it's expensive and maybe you don't have the capabilities at your labs and blah, 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 blah. But it's like now like to look at where we came from, yeah. where you have this, this case with Colin Pitchfork being like the first and then to like where we've come from now is just, mm-hmm. it's amazing. That'd be something that someone easily can get some sort of, like, prize or, like, some sort of recognition if they could find a way to make that testing really cheap. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's, like, virtually no reason not to do those tests. Which, and I, I didn't look into how much it, like, any of the logistics of what it takes to get DNA run for, like, a lab or anything if you're, I guess, like, a, a crime lab. I don't know how... I don't know the logistics of the cost of any of that or whatnot, right. but. So that's, yeah, that's Colin Pitchfork. Fun. I mean, and not I'm, so fun, but I'm so, so glad that they were able to prove that that other guy was innocent. Yeah, I mean. But yeah, it, I know this was like, it, it was a while ago, but whenever, as soon as you get someone with a learning disability. I mean, the 80s were not that long ago. I mean, Sure. Fuck you. I mean, I realized... I wasn't even born in the 80s. Fuck you. (laughs) Um, But I always... I I find it intriguing. Like, when you're dealing with someone that is lacking, at least in mental capability, how can you truly... How do you take someone's word for that? If they're... 
I mean, especially if they're um, either handicapped or there's certain areas that weren't developed properly, because mm-hmm. then it easily can be misconstrued, misconstrued as you take advantage of them. And let's say they didn't do something like that, and you're not very thorough and you know careful when you do well, that. Well, we don't know what the extent of his his learning difficulties were. Like, right. it, I couldn't find anywhere that was more specific. Mm-hmm. So it could be that he was just highly suggestible, and if they're you know the way they're wording their their questions is like, so how did you kill this person? Right. As opposed to, did you? Mm-hmm. You know, like it reminds me of. Uh, I think was this the last episode when I talked about the disappearance of Bobby Dunbar? I think so. Like how news outlets would say certain things, and mm-hmm. because of that, it, it's hard for you to kind of figure out what's actually going on. So when you have well, stuff like that, it's odd how they're like when you get high-profile cases, like people will call in all the time and be like, "Oh, yep, I did this," but but they didn't. <laughs> you know, or like they'll get false, conf- they'll take confessions and they'll be like, oh yeah, I, they're I like, oh, so you killed them. And they're like, oh, well, how did you do it? Oh, well, you know, I strangled them. And they're like, well, that's funny. They died by stabbing. It's like, I don't, I don't necessarily know what would compel someone I to confess. them with a knife. I don't know what would compel someone to confess to a crime that they didn't commit, but like, we don't know what was going on in those interrogation or questioning rooms or whatever. Yeah, I wonder if anyone's ever done a case study on that, like to like or probably doing like the psychology of what makes someone want want to be convicted or you know be villainized or vilified. Well, I don't think they're looking at it that way. I mean, I think a lot of the times it comes down to if I tell them what they want to hear, they will stop. It's like these are the reasons why torture does not give you good information because they don't like hearing about it. You, you, like, is that what you're saying? Or are you saying no. Are so, like, if someone is has been questioning you for 15 hours, and you just want to go home, and you're tired. Oh. I if you tell them what they want. Like, no. No. Like, if you tell them what they want to hear, It'll then it stop. will stop. Right. And I think that's part of it. Sure. Makes sense. So, but, then the easiest way is just confess. I mean, yeah. Just confess. I mean, I remember in one of my classes, we learned about a... I think it was, like... Through interrogation, they got this five-year-old to conv- to confess to murdering his whole family. He did not, but they got him to confess to it. I mean, it's it's crazy. That is like psychological torture. I feel like that got way off topic from what we were discussing, but sure. <laughs> anyway, I mean, first first really person con- convicted by DNA evidence. So woohoo! Go Alec Jeffries. Okay. Well, shall we shall we roll for next episode and we then shall. like to go the fuck to sleep? Yeah, it's eleven forty nine p.m. <laughs> on a Tuesday. I almost said a Wednesday. On a Tuesday. I mean, it's almost a Wednesday. <laughs> um. Yeah, I am gonna go get my. Here, you want this? Oh, you need dices. I do need my dices. Yes, that's right. Just give up. Give up. Sorry, that was that was me rubbing the cat and telling it to give up, <laughs> not telling he, Katie to give up. <laughs> same difference. <laughs> so I, I have a set of Chessex Gemini dice. I think they're blue and teal. Hey, it's like they the are blue, blue and blue and hey, teal. Blue and teal. <laughs> <laughs> yep, <laughs> that's hilarious. Go for it. All right. Here we go. What did you get? I got a three. You got a three, so that's true crime. No, that should be paranormal. I thought paranormal's two. No. 
No. No. Oh. Yep, three is paranormal. Oh. Two is true crime. Two is true crime. Okay. Well. Maybe the Par yeah, paranormal is two if you roll the D6. We've only done this twelve times now. <laughs> oh, I wonder if it'll ever get any easier. Five. Science. Science. <gasps> I'm so happy. <laughs> <laughs> nothing sad. Nothing bad. That's the first time we've gotten that. Oh my gosh. Oh. Nothing sad. Nothing bad. Are you kidding? There's I, lots of bad I, science. I, yeah, I have so I have too many. Options to talk about with science, <laughs> which is good. That's a good problem. But okay, well, science and man, you you really you really good at rolling those true crime paranormals. Yeah. It's like the dice it's, it's don't like you want. True crime, paranormal, and history. I've gotten entertainment a couple of times, but it's like I have stuff I want to talk about. I've been. Have I gotten every option? I have. I think you have. Did I get a history and education? Yes, I think you did. Hmm. Okay, yeah. I, I got bingo. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well. Paranormal. Yay. Paranormal technology. Paranormal technology. Done. I'm just gonna talk about spirit boxes, that's all. <laughs> the most up to date ones. Hmm. Well. Man. I hope you guys are ready to go to bed. <laughs> I sure am. I mean, I can't take the middle of the day. Unfortunately, it's just my voice. A disembodied voice, mind you. <laughs> you need to go to bed. <laughs> am I alive? Am I dreaming? Mac, help. If it's the middle of your work day, do not go to bed. Do your work. <laughs> yeah, you should <laughs> That's you should how I work. felt today at work. I was like, oh, do I want to do this? Yes, I do. Because I like having a job and I like paying my bills. All right, well. Well, thanks for joining us. Come back next time to find out what the fuck we're talking about. Yeah. Bye. Bye. If you've got something to say, you can find us on Anchor at anchor.fm slash WTFpod. You can email us at wtf.podcast.mail at gmail.com or find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at WTFAYTA podcast. That's WTFAYTA. That's our acronym. Podcast. Our music is by Decker Hinckley, and our artwork is by Kirby Morfitt. That is not a pen drawer? Pen, I wouldn't would recommend drawer? writing with this, unless you want to write with blood. Then, this is I mean, you can use also that for, not a great knife. You could use that to write on a tree. Or a park bench. <laughs> or a person. Yes. Or a person. <laughs> not recommended. After I kill them with my rolling pen. Might have unforeseen consequences that you're not fully equipped for. Okay. Fully Come cooked on. for? Equipped for, not oh. cooked. <laughs> like, am I, am I cooking them? You're overcooked. Uh, you need to play that game again some more. Ah, uh, such a good game. Okay. Mm.